Welcome to the Hannibal Files, a Strange Harbors podcast. This is a weekly discussion of Brian Fuller's serial killer drama Hannibal, which is now streaming on Netflix. Tonight, I'm joined by... And Derek Wong. So last week, we took a little break from discussing the series to talk about Manhunter, director Michael Mann's 1986 adaptation of the Thomas Harris novel Red Dragon. As you might have guessed, the final six episodes of Hannibal, its final arc, is also an adaptation of Red Dragon, taking place three years after the capture of Dr. Hannibal Lecter at the end of the mid-season finale. So we are in the homestretch of Brian Fuller's Hannibal, boys. How do you guys feel? Wow, it's crazy. Um, I can't believe we're already here. It, uh, it kind of felt like it flew by. Um, yeah. We've been talking about the show for a while, but I can't believe we're, we're at the end, and this might be all the Hannibal we ever get. To quote Stephen Strange, uh, we're, we're in the end game now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you put it correctly. We don't know if we're going to get any more Hannibal. I mean, crossing my fingers, maybe we'll get one more season. Yeah, see a season four. We had that reunion just a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Good. Brian Fuller and everyone, they were telling us not to give up hope yet. So crossing our fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hope springs eternal. So the, the first two episodes are titled The Great Red Dragon. Um, with the second one called And the Woman Clothed with the Sun. So this final stretch of episodes is named after a series of paintings by William Blake, a Romantic Age poet and painter whose Bible-themed paintings form a lot of the imagery and the symbolism that we'll see, not only in this series, but of course in the source material and in the films as well, right? Like in Manhunter. Not so much Manhunter, because we talked about this last week, where I... Was a little disappointed that the paintings didn't show up more, but um, we got a lot of the painting in in this show, so like I'm I'm kind of stoked to see that back in the Hannibal fold, right? Yeah, you know, based on their style, Blake is right up their alley, right? So yeah, so I mean, last week I began ranking our Hannibal lectors. How about we rank our Francis Dolan? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty short list. Um, I'm half kidding, but not really. I find Ray Fiennes and uh, Richard Armitage to be very similar. Yes. Uh, they have very similar vibes. And I would probably lean towards those two adaptations more than I would the the one from Manhunter. Tom Noonan. Mm. Interesting. See, I really liked Tom Noonan a lot. I um, did too. Overall, watching these two episodes gave me more appreciation for the way Manhunter did things, actually. Right. Because I think, I think this takes a page out of the... Manhunter book to give a lot of the spotlight to Francis Dollarhide, right? The the tooth fairy. Yeah, um, but this this Dollarhide is he's weirder, more baroque, more you know Brian Fuller's Hannibal. <laughs> um, baroque not, is a good not word. To put too, yeah. Not to put too fine a point on it, and so um, I, I don't know. I really liked uh, Newton's Dollarhide and how I don't know. Human he was like this dollar hide is like feral and like inhuman like he mm-hmm. he is sort of transforming into something whereas like I feel like our Tom Newton dollar hide yeah he has that side to him but he's also I mean you see him as a human being like oh, I don't know struggling with the serial killer thing struggling with his alter ego struggling with this dragon he's becoming and like he's a person first and foremost this I guess just because of the way we see. Uh, just because the way, way we see Armitage, we, we, I don't know, I think we see him as inhuman first. And it's just it's mm. not as compelling to me at all. Uh, so, like you said last week, uh, proto-incel, right, for, for Tom Noonan. You don't really get that feel 
or that vibe here at all. Um, I do like... No, no, no. This guy, yeah, Richard Armitage is a, is a lot weirder, a lot more traditional serial killery. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like I've seen this before. Like this type of portrayal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, for sure. Like, like... Whereas, like, the Tom Noonan thing, like, this is of a piece with all the other serial killers transforming themselves, things we've seen throughout the Hannibal Lecter mythos, right? Like, going mm-hmm. all the way back to, um, like, silence, you know, Jamie Gallman and Becoming, and there's, there's been a lot of Becomings and transformations and metamorphoses throughout this whole series as well. And this just feels of a piece with all of that, whereas Tom Noonan felt a little different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little, a little more fresh, I would say. Um I think it's fresh compared to what I think we've seen in, I mean, the Red Dragon and then or the Red Dragon movie and then also this adaptation. But I would say that is it fresh for what we saw like in the 80s, right? Like, is that, I guess you would have to put yourself back then. I don't know. It does seem like just this typical, stereotypical kind of like serial killer who's just tormented and, but also just very corrupt in a way versus I do like this adaptation by Richard Armitage and Ray Fiennes because it does seem like there is um, a mental instability involved in the portrayal and there is that feral nature like you say so I think that's why I lean more towards this adaptation Mm, interesting what I do like is that they changed it from the novel and from other adaptations where he's like a bodybuilder and he's more like uh, I want to say like a yogi, I guess. He's doing like these weird yoga, yeah, poses, yoga poses and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's cool. And he's like, you can really see like the faint like undertones of transformation with like his bones and his like sinew and like all that stuff. It's 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 really great imagery, I think. Um, it is, absolutely. Yeah. I kind of griped a little bit on Manhunter, right? Where it felt like this segmented movie where like the first three quarters of the movie was like about will and then we we are kind of bookended with a lot of dollarhide francis yeah. dollarhide right and i i personally kind of spoke my dislike of that or the way it's kind of scripted and the way it, it, it kind of panned out in that movie versus i really enjoy that the way we're introducing the storyline is with you know francis dollarhide right it it's this very mm. moody very lack of dialogue but very effective kind of almost this origin of francis dollarhide right which i don't mm. think we we don't really even get in the the book of course and the the red dragon movie right mm-hmm. we because we see him get the actual tattoo we see him get his teeth and all that kind of so i i found that was kind of interesting way yeah. to kind of uh launch this new yeah. story arc so i loved manhunter's focus on dollarhide but i do agree that it's a little abrupt Right, it, it kind of shifts, and you're like, "Oh, I guess we're following him now for a while." And and I do like that this uh, for the show. It's a little more even. It kind of telegraphs the weight of the perspective, right? Where you get more focus on Dollarhide right off the bat, right before you even see Hannibal or Will or Jack again, right? And and I I, I do I do appreciate that. Um, much yeah, yeah, much more integrated approach. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. we do have the luxury of this is the the middle of the third season. We've had two and a half seasons with these characters, so it's. Yeah. I think it is very smart of them to be like, "Well, we're going to start the Red Dragon arc. We're giving you Francis Dollarhide right at the beginning." Yeah. Right. Yeah. A, a, a lot of him. You know. Right. He's doing his yogi stuff, and I honestly, I, I was loving the way he was just like contorting his body. 
Yeah. The way it looked like it was like mutating or what I don't know what was going on, but I thought that was really just good body acting. Yeah. I like doing this podcast because this is Amir's first time through watching and it's interesting to see him say, well, Will Graham's like a single dude on the show, but he's like married and with kids in uh in the movie in Manhunter, right? But now that we've seen this first episode of the final arc, you see that it's three years later, and he does indeed have a wife and kid, right? It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Not sure how much I buy that? it. Or... I wasn't surprised by it. I was like, oh, okay, they're just doing. They're straight they're just, up. Yeah, they're yeah, adapting. Yeah. I mean, they're adapting a story, right? Yeah. But it definitely doesn't fit the same way. I don't know. Like, the Brian Fuller Will and the Manhunter Will are very different guys. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. I bought that guy with a wife and a kid. Our Will, I don't know. She, she, she's kind of a beard. Um, <laughs> she's kind of a beard. I don't know. Just, it just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's fine. I get it. They sell it. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't buy it fully. It's just... It's a very sharp turn from, like... The homoeroticism Will's. between him yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, even, like, his weirdness with Alana and, and all of that. And now he's, like, I don't know, the well-integrated family man. It's just, it's... I mean, I guess that's the idea. Is that I mean, it is sharp, three years He's, later, he's made a sharp right? break with that part of his life. He no longer does this anymore. He's not, you know, dipping into that... Uh, well of psychopathy, you know, that he uses to empathize with serial killer or whatever. So, like, that's allowed him to heal, and now he's, you know, a normal dude or whatever. All right. But, so, I mean, let's let's just get into it, right? Because Francis Dollarhide, he's, he's already established himself as a killer in this first episode of the final arc, right? He's killing families. Jack is asking uh, Will to come back. See, this is the part that I didn't really buy, because with Manhunter, with Red Dragon, and even, like, the novel, which serve as, like, introductions to Will Graham as a character. Like, you can buy that, oh, Will's, like, retired, and um, he doesn't want anything to do with this, and uh, Jack Crawford is asking him to come back. Uh, But, like, this is, like, I'm exaggerating, but this is, like, the 8,000th time that Jack has asked Will to come back to, to help him with catching a killer, right? And how many times can you fall for the same thing again? And, like... Every time, people are like, you're going to get fucked up. This is not the right thing to do. And, like, we've already had two and a half seasons of Will getting fucked up mentally and physically, right? So, like, it's hard to buy that he would actually come back one last time to hunt Francis Dollarhide, right? Because we've already had this established arc with Will and Hannibal and Jack. I don't know. I don't know what you guys <laughs> That's think. That's very Do you true. It works, it works better in the movie where it's all retrospective and you can right, like, fill, exactly, in, exactly. fill in the blanks like, oh, God, he had a horrible experience and he got all away from it and now they're they're bringing him back one last time. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you bring up a really poignant point and it's something that I have an issue with also re-watching these last, you know, six episodes is that you know, in the first two and a half seasons, they've adapted a lot of some of the lines, some of the arcs in the Red Dragon storyline already, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the moments that you find in the book kind of seen throughout these first two and a half seasons. And it's kind of weird that they went so strict on this last six episodes to almost kind of adapt the book beat for beat. Mm. I mean, not beat for beat, because to not give anything away, there is going to be a different ending. 
Mm -hmm. But like you've just pointed out, we've seen this moment, right? Jack coming to Will to ask again. Like the cat and mouse between the police and Francis Dollarhide is largely unchanged. It's just that throwing Hannibal into... I mean, the show is still called Hannibal, right? Because um, if you remember from last week, like Brian Cox's Hannibal Lecter wasn't really a huge presence. I mean, it's a big presence, but it's very fleeting in Manhunter, right? But this show is still called Hannibal, so he's got to have a bigger presence here, and and I I feel like, I guess that's where it diverges. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's how they integrate Hannibal that really, yeah, diverges from the Red Dragon, but, like, even if you remember from the very first episode of season one, like, we've had the discussion between, like, Alana and Jack, Alana being like, hey, you need to watch after Will, you need to protect him. And we're having that very same conversation with Molly and Jack this episode, right? Mm-hmm. They've taken those moments and adapted them already. So it's kind of very strange to me that they're they're almost redoing them again. Yeah. I think I think part of it is not knowing where the where the life of your TV show ends, yeah. too. Yes. So, ex- yes. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that. Right, if you don't know that you're going to get a chance to adapt Red Dragon, you're going to pull yeah. elements mm-hmm. from it for your adaptation, and then now you're doing a, almost like you're doing a retread of yourself, because now you're actually adapting Red, the thing that you were pulling your inspiration from. I got yeah. you. It's like, oops, we already did Freddy Lounge in a wheelchair, what are you going to do now, right? Because that was part of right. exactly yeah, the exactly. Red Dragon arc. Um, exactly. But like, yeah. I, I can forgive that, it's fine. It's cool. I don't know, I don't mind it. This version of Molly is a lot more down to kind of let Will just go, like... I don't know, yeah. sacrifice his psyche. I, I really like this kinda, she's kind of <laughs> She's kind of like down for the cause, man. She's like, yeah, go find that serial killer. Fuck up your brain. Well, what's interesting <laughs> is that I think the, the you know, when we saw it in Manhunter, and if you see it in Red Dragon, the movie, like, like, when, I, when I say Red Dragon, I'm referring to like, I think the movie, if, if, just to mm. be clear. Like we see it as Jack convincing Will, but in this iteration, what they do is Jack kind of almost convinces Molly who convinces Will. Right, because I don't think in the other iterations, like he shows the pictures to Molly. This one, it's like he like slides the pictures to Molly, and Molly sees the family, and it it resonates with her. Mm. That's true. That's that's a nice little change. I do like that. Yeah, there are some small cool. changes. So like, it's kind of interesting to have seen Manhunter last week, or if you've seen Red Dragon, to, to see those differences, those slight differences that they do to change the story. And uh, Molly here is played by Nina Arianda, a big. Uh... Broadway actress and a small role here, but like it's important role nonetheless. I, I I like her performance, like you said, Derek. I I think she's great, and and uh, she has a son here too, right? So it's not Will's child, right? It's it's a uh, it's Molly's child. Is that the case in Manhunter as well? Like, is that the canonical case that this is always is this always an adopted child in all adaptations? Or, I don't think so. Or stepson sure, or whatever, actually. or. Okay, so he might actually be his son in Manhunter, but in this one, he's adopted. Do they say in the movie? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. And I, I know, like, I don't know if it, from the book either if, if it's his his son or not. But a lot of these two episodes, it's uh, just really getting the gang back together, right? Mm-hmm. We see everyone. Price and Zeller are back. Yay. Yes! Price and Zeller are back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> we get to see what Alana's up to, taking over... Uh, Chilton's old job, right? Yeah, it's a cool little substitution there. I like that. Alana and her suits. Her her suits are back too. I love her suits. They're so great. <laughs> yeah, they are. They absolutely are. And she's keeping that red lip. The, uh, the yeah, the red, red lip. lip. She's and, keeping uh, it. She's still together with Margot. 
Nice I know. Surprise there. Very pleasant. That's a nice little. That's nice. I'm, I was glad to see it's that. It's nice. And they got their Virgil baby. Right? And they, they got, got their, their Virgil baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we broke up the one gay couple with Hannibal and Will, but at least we kept one. So you know, <laughs> we're doing okay. We're one and one right now. It's fine. Whenever you say Virgil baby, I think of like some grotesque gremlin <laughs> creature. <laughs> It's a baby with the body of a ch- uh, of a human, but the the head of a pig. Like that's a yeah, virgin right? baby, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, the, yeah. Virgin baby is an incredibly creepy phrase. So we learned that Alana carried the the virgin baby to term, right? Uh, yes. A new virgin baby, not the pig virgin baby that was scientifically shaky. <laughs> I yeah. want to say. But yeah, uh, Alana's back, and we even see some Freddie Lounge here. We, whoa, whoa, we um, get some Chilton. Chilton, yeah. Chilton's so Chilton great. shows up, and he's like a—I guess he's like a novelist, or a, not a novelist. He's, I don't know if they're novels or if they're adaptations or true crime, like whatever. But he's writing about Hannibal, and you know, uh, yeah. And he's—I um, I feel like he's found great success with these books, right? He's. Yeah, He's if they're well tapping him to write a second one, you would think. So what So yeah. what did you think? I didn't pick up on this, but I read this interview. I thought this was so clever. So what did you think of Chilton's little speech about Hannibal having niche appeal? You catch that? A little self-criticism about the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You, with your fancy illusions and fussy aesthetics, would always have <laughs> niche appeal. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. I read that in a review. Shout out to uh, nice. Christian Fel- Felker Martin for that one. That's a, it's, isn't that a great little? It's a great little joke. Hanging a lampshade. A little yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's always nice when like a showrunner is willing to like poke a little fun at yourself. You know, it's 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 nice. Uh, actually, before we get too far away from Alana, too, though, I think my favorite Alana moment is when she uh, she has that. I think the first session with Hannibal in she is drinking wine mm. and then Hannibal points out I was like oh you're drinking wine you don't drink beer anymore and it's like well I stopped drinking beer once I found out what you were putting in my beer and then he corrects her by saying who so I'm like damn this guy's putting it in your drinks too I thought his beer was legit I guess right? it was not <laughs> yeah cannibal beer cannibal beer like what do you yeah. what just uh, Probably just pee. pee? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. It's just, I don't even want to know, but it's that that blew my mind a little bit that it's not just the food that he serves you. It's, it's, you got to be worried about maybe even the water. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, uh, and we find out what happens to Hannibal, right? Because they say that he gets off on a insanity plea, but Will doesn't buy that, right? Well, um, nobody buys it. Nobody Hannibal doesn't buy, buy it. it. Yeah. He says outright, I'm not insane. And then Alana's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, he got away with it anyway. I don't know. If that happened in real life, I feel like you would get the needle. No matter if you said you were insane or not. I don't know. After all these famous serial killers, aren't they just in jail for life? All these guys went to jail. They didn't get the needle. That's true. That's true. Dahmer there's was so killed many in prison. Of them. He wasn't executed. Yeah, there's so um, many of them that just go to jail. They don't kill these guys. But I don't know. With Hannibal's nasty-ass tableaus, eating people, who knows? <laughs> He's a very rich doctor who could probably afford good legal representations, though. Well, yeah. I mean, let's talk about like the fact that he has the nicest-looking cell or room I think any prisoner has ever been given, right? Well, how much of that is his mind palace, though, right? Because a lot of because they do do some cool stuff with the. Uh... I think his cell is actually his cell. He's, right? he's yeah, not like yeah, a yeah, library. Yeah. He's got his stuff, but like 
obviously when Will comes to see him, and then he's like dressed in a suit and like he's in the the study. That's obviously his mind palace, which I think is awesome. I just, I just it is cool. It is I just cool. wanted to point that out right here because we're talking about that. Yeah, yeah. That kind but of his cell setting. is his cell, right? There's actually and it's very nice and a, and a, and a lot of threatens to uh, destroy it, right? So we know yeah. it's a it's a so it's there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. a lot like, is like the thing that you're most afraid of losing is like your dignity. So like she's like threatening to take away his toilet, his books, all that stuff. And that's the next episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next episode, but still. But still, like, the size of his cell is, is bigger than, I think, some people's, like, one-bedroom apartments, right? Or studios. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. it's insane. But, I mean, I understand. It's Hannibal. There's this very niche kind of done-up approach to this show. So, I, I'm not surprised that it also kind of extends to where he stays when he's under custody. This kind of reminds me of, like, you know that Reddit story of that guy who traded, like, a paperclip? To a house. <laughs> yes. He kept trading heard, stuff until like, yeah, so he arbitraged his way into like a house. So this is probably what like Hannibal's been doing, you know? Little quid pro quos with the FBI, just getting him some little creature comforts here and there. I mean, it is three years later, right? So you murder this, you murder that, and you get a really nice cell for the rest of your life, right? I know. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. A lot of the first two episodes, we get a lot of the traditional story beats from the red dragon right we get Mm -hmm. it's kind of a little bit of a rearranged a little bit but you know we learn that you know francis dollarhide is you know casing the people with uh, film you know we get uh will at the two different crime scenes reenacting what's happening uh we get the discovery of the glove the taking off the glove and you know having to touch her like all those little story beats that we know already from like if you see manhunter or red red dragon or watch red dragon a lot of it is you know showing up in these first two episodes right a lot of it actually like more than i think i mean if you're thinking about this as a six episode arc it is front loaded a lot of these first two episodes have a lot of those beats mhm and uh amir you're right so the pilot episode, it was the Marlows. Here's it's the leads. Although right, yeah. the, the Marlows, it was a thinly veiled reference, I want to say, to the leads, right? Because it's interesting because I feel like Dollar Hyde's the only killer here. Who uses a gun? Who uses a firearm, right? Yes. And it sticks out. the entire series, I feel. Yes, it, um, sticks, it sticks out. They're not, they're yeah. not very much about firearms and shit. Yeah. And then... The Marlows were killed by a firearm, too. So um, In their own homes, I, which is Yeah, like, in their own home, too. So I feel like they just didn't know that they were going to get to this arc. So they just did that as like a little reference in the beginning. And yeah, now they're doing probably, it for probably real. Probably Easter egg. I do love the scene when Will's kind of going through the lead's home. And like it's it's kind of the same, right? He's going through it. The lights are all turned off. He's He's going through it with the flashlight. But I love that trick they do with the flashlight. Mm-hmm. where he's like combing over the scene with the flashlight and like he kind of combs over like the bed and you'll see like the one of the dead bodies on the bed but as the flashlight moves the body like disappears right like he he's combing the fla- uh, the hallway with the flashlight and we see mr Leeds like on the ground i thought that was a really clever way to kind of show us like going on in his head but also just a really cool visual trick to that scene yeah uh the tableaus themselves are very tame Compared to, like, what we've seen on Hannibal mm-hmm. so far, right? It's not very uh, flashy. No uh, fungus people or tree people or bee people here. <laughs> or human murals. But we do get that 
really great imagery with Will and like the, you know, the police bright string mm-hmm. when they do like the trajectory of the bullets and things like that. It's, it's like fanning out. It's, it's really interesting. It's like in the background and, um, it's, it's pretty cool. I, yeah, I do cool. like that a lot. Um, I wonder if that's like a reference to the painting because it's like the, the great red dragon with like the, the wings, the arms spread out. Yeah. And the wings. Yeah. Maybe it could be. I mean, that's his superpower, right? Is to kind of almost become the, the killer, the right? Great Red Dragon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we, we haven't really brought much attention to who plays Francis Allerhide, right? It's I mean, we've mentioned his name already. It's Richard Armitage. If you don't recognize him, he's been in a couple big movies. I mean, probably the biggest franchise he's been in is the Hobbit franchise, right? Where he played... Yeah. Uh, One of the dwarves. He plays the... Thorin, the king, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He plays like the main dwarf in that in that movie, even though the guy's like what six something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so movie funny. magic, baby. Yeah, but I I wonder if there's actually one role you guys don't know that he's played. Do you know he's played Wolverine? Oh, really? I did not know that. Yes. Get out of here. Uh, so he actually plays Wolverine in a podcast. What in a podcast? Yeah, so Marvel has released, has in the last couple of years started releasing these scripted podcasts on um, Stitcher. And there's two there's two seasons of a Wolverine podcast and there's one season actually of a Fantastic Four um, podcast. Interesting. And the two seasons of the Wolverine podcast, Richard Armitage is Wolverine. And he's, he's good. <laughs> I actually he have a listen- British accent? No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I've listened to all, all seasons of all the podcasts. They're, they're pretty good. They're like self-contained stories mm. that kind of, you know, follow these particular characters. Um, so if, if you guys like podcasts, you like scripted podcasts, and you're interested in Marvel, I think, you know, I would definitely recommend those to check out. Mm. I, know, I know him mostly from Strike Back, the Cinemax action show. From, from a while back. Yeah, he's a prolific actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Ocean's 8 as the bad guy. He was in... Um, what else was he in? That horror movie, The Lodge, that came out this year. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He's got one of those very like nondescript British faces, though. It's yeah. very hard to place him. But he's very good in this. He's good in this. Yeah, I really do like him as Francis Allard. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to bring up, but like I think the last big moment in the very first episode is will says you know he needs to go see hannibal right tells jack he needs to see hannibal and the very last scene is uh them face the base but then we get the the cut to black and we would technically have to wait till next week to find out what happens right what what their first confrontation together after three years apart but uh we're lucky that we get to watch it right away and we get to dive right into it (laughs) yeah well we also miss that you we, we miss that uh uh, Hannibal writes Will a letter. Oh, yes. Yeah, that right? was a pretty he, important. He tells him not to come, right? Um, that only darkness awaits, right? Is it a mind game, though? A little is reverse it like, psychology is, there yeah, from Hannibal? Is, it, is yeah. it honest or is it reverse psychology? Yeah. It's a little of both with him, right? It's like, yeah. it's, he's being honest about the fact that this is going to destroy Will and he also really wants to see Will. So it's, you know, it's obviously it's, it's definitely both. All right. Well, no, that, th- thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, so do you want do we want to get into the second episode? So the second episode is titled And the Woman Clothed with the Sun. These titles are very confusing because um the series of paintings has like so many different uh entries and then 
there's two that are very similarly named, right? Um, so there's, and the woman clothed in the sun, and then there's, and the woman clothed with the sun, right? So mm. um, it's these two different paintings, um, all William Blake paintings. Very, very interesting, very biblical. But yeah, I mean, let's let's get right into it. It starts with where we left off in the last episode, right? It's the confrontation we've all been waiting for. It's it's Will and Hannibal back together again. You know, there's the line about, oh, this is another example, right? This line has been used before, right? Oh, the line about the aftershave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get the line about the aftershave. But then there's also this new dynamic to it where somehow Hannibal can smell that he has a kid. Which That's I, so creepy. Crazy. <laughs> I, I think he says that it's like, like a kid would be attracted to an aftershave with a ship on the bottle or something like that. I don't know. Something, something like that. Because of this, you probably have a kid. He doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl, but guesses correctly that it's a boy, right? Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting about this episode is that we get Casey rolls back for mm-hmm. uh, an episode or more. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. We we get to replay the scene of her first quote unquote death. Yeah, it kind of fills in the holes what happens after Hannibal frames Will for uh, Abigail's death, right? Um, mm-hmm. I love this, by the way. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool and creepy to see him to see them staging the murder or whatever. Like it's it was really really weird to see him be like loving and touching and also to know what he does to her in the end. And they even hang on shit when she asks him, say, so if you were to kill me, how would you do it? And he's like, oh, it slit your throat the way your father did. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I lo- I, I've always kind of professed that I want to see more Casey roles. I would love to see, love to have seen her more in season two and would have loved to see her more in this third season too. And, and I'm happy that we get her back in this episode, but it had me questioning a little bit, like, why are we doing this? Why are we flashing back to Hannibal and her's interaction, you know, leading up to her death mm-hmm. on that fateful night? Like, for me, it didn't tie quite well into the main story plot. And I just don't know. It felt a little bit more just we could do it because we could do it versus there didn't seem to be a very strong, compelling reason why we needed to revisit her character and fill in these spots. Yeah, I think I it's a mind, a mind palace for currency sitting in jail, thinking about these things that have happened. And we're always kind of in the show going back to that night, right? Because we did mm-hmm. the first half of the season. So I think it's in that vein. But I agree with you. It does feel a little disconnected. But we have some fucked up shit with that, right? Because, all right, so is this a dream or not? Because does he actually dig up Garrett Jacob Hobbs' body right? yes. and have Abigail slit his throat? I think the consensus that is is that it's real. I think it's, I think real. it's Actually, real. I, I, I didn't doesn't. think it was a dream. I mean, given the tableaus he stages alone in like hours overnight, I feel like a little corpse robbery, a little grave digging is not is not beyond him. But it's very fitting of like the Hannibal dream imagery, right? Because it's I don't know, it's like the symbolism and like of what Hannibal wants Abigail to do to like it's very Hannibal the series like, right? Because like. Yeah. It's not above this the show to do something like that in a dream sequence. And it seemed very dreamlike to me. I'm on, I'm on the same page as you in the sense that I, at first I was like, is this real? Is this something that, you know, he pulls out a knife and he wants her to imagine her father is there, right? 
and then he is there and I think the tip off for me was when she actually does cut his throat that it it was just this like oozy liquid comes out and it wasn't like this gushing like of blood or formaldehyde or something yeah, yeah right that was kind of preserving him like it it seems so real in that vein that I believe that it was actually the corpse that it, I guess he dug up and kept just for this instance that's so much work to it just is. make the point <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you, can't, you can't say Hannibal doesn't put in the work, man. He's yeah, very hardworking serial killer. Um, so we get Freddie Lowndes back, mm-hmm. like after missing pretty much the first half of this this season. We get her back because, like the Red Dragon storyline, she does play a part in it. What I really liked about the scene between her and Will, though, is that it's almost like she's starting to plant the idea of using her as baits or as a resource. Mm. In the Manhunter movie, we get Will and Jack are come up with the ideas like, oh, okay, we have to use Freddie Lowndes. But it's in this adaptation, we get Freddie Lowndes saying like, hey, you should use me, right? We know that this guy, I think, reads the Tattler or Tattle and, and you know, I could be a resource to you. So I, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of a clever kind of twist that it's it's her idea or she's kind of trying to incept will in, in that regard i i do like the use of freddie lounge here because um it does give you a sense of like unpredictability like what are they going to do with freddie lounge right they're not going to send her down a, a a parking ramp in a flaming wheelchair again right so um if you're at all at all familiar with like the previous season and and other adaptations like you, you're probably going to be like, what are they going to do now? And, I, and it's nice. It's nice to, to have a little surprise up up their sleeve, you know? Mm-hmm. This episode, we also get to meet Reba, right? She's also yeah. kind of a... And again, you know, it's not near the end of the, the season, but it's kind of more front-loaded in the first two episodes. You know, we're meeting... We met Francis. Now we're meeting Reba, who is played by... Does by anyone... Rutina Wesley. Um, yeah, from, uh, from mostly from True Blood, I think. People yeah, know, right. Did you watch True Blood, Amir? Um, I did. <laughs> I also I did, did watch too. True Blood. <laughs> we all nice, watched True Blood. Right. Con- so confession wait, uh, stay hour. Tuned, Let's go. Stay tuned in a couple weeks where we're going to do a, re- a rewatch of True Blood. <laughs> True Blood oh, rewatch. Uh, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> did we? Did we? Wa- did we all watch all of it? I've seen no, all. No, of it. I I've didn't. No, all I didn't. I've seen. I didn't go all the way. I couldn't. It got too much of oh, Amir, Amir is, is, is smart. Amir is smart because yeah. this show, that show, went off the rails. Yeah, the first couple seasons are pretty good and really compelling, and then it goes just off the rails. And and I do question why I watched all of it. <laughs> yeah, but she was great on True Blood as Tara. Yeah, she was. She was. She was really good. She has a very young looking face. She does have a very young look. Because, like, I thought she was, like, very... I thought she was, like, a younger person here. But, like, she was 41. She was, like, 35, probably, when this was filmed. And Joan Allen, who was uh, Reba in the... uh, In the movie, Manhunter, yeah. In the movie, she was 30. Yeah. Sometimes, like, you go back and you see, like, these actors and actresses and these things that they've been in. And you're, like, really surprised by, like, how old they are. Uh, or yeah. by, like, how young they or are. Or how young. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, um, like, this is completely off topic, but did you know that Tony Collette was, like, 26 in The Sixth Sense? That's crazy to me. She was married to Bruce Willis, right? 
No, no, no. She was. Uh, Isn't she the wife? No, she's not the wife. No, she's not the wife. She's the mom. Oh, the mom. You're right. The mom. Yeah. The, yes, 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 yes. I'm thinking uh, for some reason. I'm th- I'm I'm uh, mixing up Unbreakable and, and Six Sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Oh, yes. She's the mom to Haley Joel Osment's character, right? Yeah. But anyway, Rutina Wesley. She's she's good. Um, and she's great here too. Uh, so I didn't love it. To oh, be honest, really? love it. okay. No, I, I think I preferred at least from what I've seen the Joan Allen portrayal. It's a little, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what about it felt off for me from Rokina Wesley, but it was a little. Something something didn't fit entirely, but I do like her. She's very, I mean, she's good. It just, I don't know. I don't know. I got to think on it, but it just didn't didn't fully sit the same way. I don't know. I would agree with Jeff. I actually did like her portrayal of this. I like that she's like this very confident. Well, I mean, there's not a ton of her in this episode. No, there isn't. Yeah. So maybe no. like our experience like with the other episodes have colored our impression of her. And I mean, Amir hasn't seen the, the rest, right? So... I don't know. It's just interesting to see where uh, we'll come back to this point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll absolutely definitely revisit this as we see more of uh, this version. Yeah. So another thing I want to point out is I, I do like Dollar Hyde's like transformation and hallucination scenes. They're pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very unlike anything that Hannibal's done before. It's very like early two thousands grunge horror. Um, like the episode before, he's like watching the tapes and he's got like the, the, the film reel like surrounding his face and it's like, it's very like. And then his, his eyes and his mouth are like whited out like the mirrors, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I it's thought very, that was like, a really cool imagery. It's very like aughts horror, I think. It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. It's definitely a type of aesthetic that the show doesn't lean into that often and, and I do like it. It's cool. I like, I like when the show reaches outside of its, uh, own aesthetic a little comfort than, zone than yeah 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 so it does, doesn't want to remain trapped in this niche aesthetic <laughs> yeah i mean i mentioned this about the last episode a little prematurely but uh alana visits hannibal and threatens to take his toys away if he doesn't behave right because <laughs> she says yeah. that he doesn't have will graham's best interests at heart and uh i i do like uh this further evolution of alana bloom the more confident a little more cold-hearted. I keep saying evil Alana, but she's not evil. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a good shorthand. Kind of finally given a little bit more to do, especially because this isn't her role in the book, right? This is technically yeah, yeah, yeah. No, supposed no. to be Chilton. And even Chilton doesn't get that much in the book or the Red Dragon series. So it's it's interesting that now like Alana has become this like more integral character, I think, folded into this Red Dragon story, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, there's not too much going on in these two episodes. It's just a lot of exposition setting things up. But I didn't, uh, I didn't like hate the episodes or anything. I think they're actually pretty great. Um, I actually think they're better than I remember them being. Um, I I like the first episode a lot. The second episode was a little bit, I think, too much. Will Will Spinny? <laughs> yeah, a little too much setup, a little too much Will Spinny, a little too much. Let's keep this rolling because I think the first episode does do a lot with you know the short amount of time it has to introduce Francis Dollarhide and then reintroduce us to the relationships between like Will, Jack, Alana, and Hannibal. But I think mm. it, it does a really great job of that, and it didn't. 
but I, I felt the second hour a little bit more in the sense that it does feel like it drags a little bit. Yeah, I I, I do just think it's an it's fun to be back stateside and not be on the Verger estate, you know. Um, <laughs> have yes. have Price and Zeller back, you know, Freddie Lowndes. Um, it's good to see that Freddie Lowndes is still a piece of shit, you know. <laughs> you think like yeah, everything that yeah, they absolutely. went through, like. Um, putting that whole flaming wheelchair thing together, working together, that she'd be a little more amenable, but I guess she's not. Because Will goes into her, lays into her for, like, taking photos of him in the hospital. And and he says that she wrote that he and Lecter, Hannibal Lecter, were co-conspirators, right? Um, so she's still... Murder about, husbands. Yeah, murder husbands, exactly. exactly. A little, uh, little shout out to the fans, husbands. I guess. Yeah. The one thing I didn't bring up from last week's episode on the Manhunter is the fact that, like, in in Michael Mann's adaptation, like, Will, like, straight up flips Freddie Lowndes onto a car, right? And, yeah. like, and, like, breaks the front windshield. Can you imagine if, like, Will just, like, grabbed Freddie Lowndes in this series and, like, flipped her onto a car? Like, how ridiculous would that, would that have been? So, it... Yeah. N- now that I look back at it, I was like, that was a really weird moment in in that movie. Yeah. It, it works with, like, a guy and another guy, and they don't have that established relationship of previously having worked together, and, like... But it's a lot to flip and a it's, dude. And it's a very... <laughs> and damage and someone's car. <laughs> and it's a very 80s action hero yeah. thing to do, versus, like, this is not our will. Our will is a soft boy. <laughs> soft puppy a stray puppy that reminds me uh hannibal keeps calling dollar hide a shy boy which i kind of like that's kind of i do like that i do like that uh i do want to talk about like dollar hides like you see like a little bit of his like family history like a little flashback to like his grandmother um and like his disfigurement um i think it's interesting to see that like he's like, this disfigurement is, like, such a big part of his, like, psychosis and, like, his self-conscious, like, um, nature. But it's just a tiny little cleft palette, right? That's that's all it is, right? Well, I think the it's- other adaptations do a lot better, though, is the portrayal of the grandmother, right? Like, mm. the, the influence of, like, because the, the grandmother in those iterations really kind of berate him, right? And really... yeah. Uh, Wait, you mean in the book? Because I didn't get that from Manhunter. I got that from Manhunter. Isn't there like a... Or am I thinking Red... Now I'm getting them mixed up. I know Red Dragon does it pretty well. In you think of Red Dragon. Yeah, I think that's... I don't think... Right. I don't think... Okay, I don't think yeah. <laughs> so maybe... Yeah, maybe it was just when I watched Red Dragon. Like, that, I think there there's more of a... Uh, her... She There's there's more of her like flashbacks than that. And then it's it's a big point at the end of the, the movie, right? The way that Will uses it against him to get him away from his child. So mm-hmm. I think, like, the Red Dragon movie plays it up a little bit more. And this is only the first two episodes, so maybe it does play a bigger part later. But I, I think, you know, just having the the grandma in just, like, flashbacks isn't really quite working with, like, no kind of audible mm-hmm. uh, dialogue. Or Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So this, is, so this is interesting because I didn't read the books and I don't remember Red Dragons. And I don't think we met the grandmother in Manhunter. So this isn't completely complete non-issue for me. It just didn't even occur to me to think mm. about his grandmother. Mm. And the flashbacks didn't really have that much importance to me. I wasn't really reading into so much into them. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be clear that this is, you know, that the beratement for the disfigurement is part of the origin of you know, whatever. Uh, but 
I, I, it didn't hit that heavily to me at all. I, I think I think it's interesting to me because it's been like at least a decade since I've seen Red Dragon, and like you said, there's not really a mention in Manhunter, but um, I instantly knew what it was like getting at because. I just started like a rewatch of Mindhunter. <laughs> and the big thing in that show is like mommy issues, right? Mm. So like my wife and I, we just watched an episode with like Ed Kemper where, where like he's talking about like how his, his mom was like so awful to him and like how she just wouldn't shut up and like how she would always just tear him down. And like as soon as I saw this, I was like, well, Serial killers, like I guess Hannibal has like a a through line with like real life criminal psychology, right? So like, yeah, I I immediately got that. See, I don't know if it's real life criminal psychology. I feel like this is like I don't know this, but I feel like this is like a weird like misogynistic holdover from like Freudian psychology, where you blame the children's like psychiatric illnesses on like the mother's like parenting or whatever. Like it feels very like. I don't know, early twentieth century. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that. Maybe it is real. Maybe that's some real shit. But I. I, I don't know. I just feel that. Well, I mean, the shit with. Ed I, I'm skeptical of it. Right. Yeah. 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 The actual guy. Yeah. Killed yeah. He like cuts her. Cuts her heads head. off. Cuts her fucked head off. Head. And, yeah. Fucks <laughs> the head. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah. In, in, in his case, it's clearly very. You know. I, I'm just saying. Like, I I was just watching that, so like I I kind of immediately got like what they're kind of going for. Um, to. I don't know, like, I mean, because that show takes place in the, the 70s, right? So, like, you you don't know, like, how sound that psychological science is, but, like, you know. Uh, but I think the last big thing that kind of happens in this episode, you know, Hannibal gets a call from his attorney. Mm-hmm. In, in the Red Dragon story, it was an actual call from uh, somebody, an attorney, and, you know, he just diverts the call but in this iteration it's it it's a call from francis dollarhide mm-hmm. in the manhunter and then you know red dragon storyline you know they communicate through uh, letters and and um the classifieds right the classifieds yeah the tattle how is hannibal still allowed to do shit like this i just right? don't understand how, how did they like not uh, i mean i guess they don't know who francis dollarhide is or how what he sounds like so i guess he's like i'm fr- i'm you know i'm I guess it's it's believable to be like, hey, I'm Hannibal's lawyer. Can I talk to him? He, he mm. told me to call him or something, right? So it's like, I don't know. Maybe. And I guess Alana, Alana's cleaned up a little bit because uh, Chilton was always spying on, on people, right? So I guess Alana yeah. hasn't conti- continued yeah. that practice. I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we end this episode, right? Yeah. You know, our last episode kind of ended with like the confrontation between Will and, and Hannibal. Now it's like there's this now... Uh, cliffhanger correspondence com- correspondence between, between Hannibal yeah. and Dollarhide, yeah. Um, and he's he's like spurring him on, right? He's like, "Oh, you should you should become the Great Red Dragon." You yeah. Know? So. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of always been his thing on this show from episode one, yeah. right? Oh yeah, 100%. he he looks out for his fellow serial killer bros, man. <laughs> I think it's interesting because like we've clearly not gotten to the point where um, Hannibal has all the things taken away from him yet he still has like pens he still has paper he still has like light bulbs in his uh yeah i think a lot of that right because like like, the sounds of the lambs is like oh you can't even give him like staples or like paper clips or anything like that because he'll fucking kill you with them you know so um i guess we're not that we're not at that point yet i I guess alana 
I feel like Alana should know better than anyone else that yeah, right? any of those things. It, was there anything else anybody wanted to bring up? No, I think I think that's good. A lot of table setting these two episodes. I do I do enjoy them. I uh, it is quite refreshing to see the gang back together. They're fine. It's good to see everyone back. There's some really cool imagery of like Armitage and the Blake stuff and like the murders. Like like it, the show is still gorgeous. Um, we even get a, a little bit of Hannibal food stuff, which you would think you wouldn't get with him in prison, but oh yeah, I guess yeah, he's allowed. Him and Chilton, he's, yeah. he's allowed to exert his culinary skills somehow. Yeah, and I love how honest he was. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't cow's blood I gave you last time, but th- this is cow's blood. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? He like, must. I guess he must be on his like absolute best behavior and, uh, because. Yeah, he's got access to, like, cooking and stuff like that. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous. I think it, the episodes suffer a little from being seen immediately in proximity to, to, to Manhunter, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like if I hadn't just seen Manhunter, I would have liked these episodes a little more. But I'm constantly mm. doing, like, a comparison in my head. And and it's kind of like a retread of, like, things yeah, you just saw. Yeah, and, like... I and understand. Then, That's fair. And, That's fair. And also, maybe we're also, you know, towards the end of our Hannibal rewatch, and uh, and, and maybe I enjoy our, our time away from the Baroque style, and now it's getting hard yeah. for me to get back, back into the groove, you know? I think it's better to watch Manhunter first and then Hannibal, rather than the other way around, I feel. Because then, like, I don't know, I feel like if you watch Manhunter after this, it's it's a little older, it's 80s, you know, and then... It's already a story you've already spent six episodes with. and As opposed um, to just, like, two hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. Um, again, I feel like the series and the films are, like, an unfair comparison just because you have, you have so much more time with these characters. Um, and you just think that they're way more fleshed out uh, on the show. So, yeah, it, it is an unfair comparison. But, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah, but... I think that's it. Next week with episodes three and four. So three well, and four? Well, not three and four. Oh, this arc. It's, yes, it's a uh, ten and 10 11. and eleven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so three and three four. And four that, the, that divide is so like stark, you know. So yeah, it does feel like we're in uh, season four. Feels like we're yeah. in a brand new season. Like this is this is season four. Yeah, and especially since we took that break in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So I, I that will conclude this week's episode. Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Letterbox is where you can find me, and what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the wrong Dayak, Dayak spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that is for Instagram and Twitter. But you also can find me on my other podcast called Geeks in a Pie, where we talk about all things movies, television, gaming, and it's just a, a group of me and my friends just kind of just shooting the shit and, and talking different topics and debates. Uh, but if you liked this episode, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. If you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, shoot us an email at jeff at Um We like getting listener emails, and sometimes we read them out on the pod. So um, if you got Anything you want to share with us, feel free to shoot us a line, and uh, we will see you guys next week. All right, see you next week, everybody. See you guys then.